In Ephesians, it says he gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting or the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry, to the work of the ministry, to the edifying of the body of Christ. There are many things and responsibilities that a pastor has, and one of them is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And part of that equipping of the saints is to give them the truth in a way that they can use that themselves and not only be blessed by the truth of Scripture, but also use it to bless the lives of others and use it in reaching other people for Christ. It's one of the main reasons, by the way, that we have in Scripture of why we come to church, local church. It is to learn the Word of God, to be equipped with the Word of God to do the ministry of the Word. And so we are covering something tonight that you will hear on a regular basis from people. It is good to have an answer, and it's good to have the right answer, and for you to be able to rightly divide the word of truth, to not only tell them the truth, but in telling them the truth, combat one of the most evil and wicked false doctrines that is out there today. And it's this teaching of the perseverance of the saints, or lordship salvation. The questions come in many flavors, but they're really getting at the same error or wrong judgment. And the name of the message tonight is a question, and it is this. It's a little lengthy, but you'll get it. Can a believer live as he pleases and still go to heaven? That's it. Can a believer live as he pleases and still go to heaven? How many times you'll be witnessing and sharing the gospel and somebody will say back to you, you can't trust Christ as your savior and then go out and live as you please. You can't do that. All right. Well, I got a news flash for you tonight. Every person lives as they please. Every person. Because they choose what they're going to do. And so it doesn't matter whether you're lost, you live as you please. Yes, you do. And if you're saved, you live as you please. Now, that doesn't mean you won't run into roadblocks, but you live as you please. Why? Because we choose the way we live. And that person who says you can't put your faith in Christ as Savior and go out and live as you please has no idea what they're talking about. Because whether they're saved or not, they live as they please. And every Christian, in fact, lives as they please. Or let me put it this way. They at least try to live as they please. So every person lives as they please because they choose what they will and won't do. See, here's the bottom line. Going to heaven is not based on how you live. Now, you couple that with the question. You mean to say that I can put my trust in Christ as Savior and go out and live as I please? What they're saying is this. There's more to going to heaven than putting your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. What they're saying is they believe in works for salvation. They believe you have to do good works to get into heaven. They'll say, oh no, it's what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah, but you just told me if I don't live a certain way, I'm not going to go to heaven. That's what you just said. See, folks, it's time that we have clarity on this and are able to simply bring this back to people and say, let's talk about what you just said. Because that sometimes is going to lead that person to Christ when they understand the problem with what they're saying. 
Going to heaven is not based on how you live. Therefore, you can put your faith in Christ the Savior and not live for Christ. And yes, you can end up in heaven. Why? Because you put your faith in Christ. Because he's the Savior, we are not. Going to heaven is a matter of who you trust to get you there. So what does the Bible say about this? Well, let's break this down and, and we'll see it. Now, make no mistake about it, and I, I shouldn't even have to say this, but I'll say it at the beginning of the message here. Once we're saved, obviously God wants us to live a godly life. There's no question about that. One of the goals of our church is to have believers who are living godly lives, who are not wrapped up in the wickedness and the perversion of the world, but they're living a life that's pleasing to God. It's one of the goals of our church. That's why we have church. That's why we have a Christian preschool, kindergarten, elementary, high school, junior high. That's why we have Awana. That's why we have all the programs we do, because we believe in godliness. But just as much as we believe in godliness, we also know that the Bible teaches that no matter how you live your life, once you've trusted Christ the Savior, does not endanger or make any more secure your destiny. That's taken care of the moment you trust Christ the Savior. So what does the Bible say? Number one, a believer receives eternal life the moment he believes. Okay, John chapter 6 and verse 47. Here's Jesus speaking. And look what he says. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, you put your trust in him, okay, you rely upon him. He that believeth on me hath, possesses right now, everlasting life. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, Jesus himself says, the moment you do, you have everlasting life. Now, if you have everlasting life, it's everlasting life. And if it's everlasting life, what that means is that no matter what you do after that, you're saved. Why? Because it's everlasting life. One of the newer attacks on salvation by grace is this idea that, well, it's true when you believe in Christ, you have everlasting life, but you have to keep believing to keep it. Now listen, in case any of you don't know this, that is the theological position of the Calvary Chapel churches. That is what they believe. You have to continue on believing or else you lose it. That's their theology. They don't advertise that, but that is what they believe. Dig into the doctrine and you will find that's what they believe. That's what their leader, the founder of the movement, Chuck Smith, believed. Now, if they're teaching on things about the Christian life or on prophecy or this or that, you'll hear it and you'll say, well, it's that's all sound. That's all. You know what? Right, Pastor Kakuza, you know, he's got an axe to grind with these people. No, I didn't say what they teach on prophecies wrong. I said what they teach on eternal security is wrong because they're wrong according to what the Bible says. In other words, they believe if you ever falter in your faith and you continue faltering, you then lose your salvation. And this is a false doctrine and it is a misunderstanding. They'll say, well, the present tense there, it's, it's uh, he who believes in Christ, that's present tense. That means you, he who believes and keeps on believing has everlasting life. No, that's not what it means. And that's really a misunderstanding of the present tense. The present tense means it is true 
whenever anybody believes. It's a present reality for that person the moment they believe. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, if I right now trust Christ the Savior, right now, this very present moment, I have this very present moment, everlasting life. It doesn't mean I have to keep on doing anything. And I'll show you that in just a minute. I like what one man said. He said this. He said, uh, we might say, whoever believes that Rockefeller is a philanthropist will receive a million dollars. At the point in time a person believes this, he is a millionaire. However, if he ceases to believe this 10 years later, he is still in possession of the million dollars. Similarly, if a man has believed in Christ, he is regenerate and in possession of eternal life, even if he ceases to believe in God in the future. Why? Because he believed he was given everlasting life, and it's everlasting life. It was not based on if he still believes it 10 years from now. It's based on did you believe it at a point in time? Did you trust Christ? So a believer receives eternal life the moment he believes. That's why a believer can live as he pleases and still go to heaven because he has received everlasting life and it's everlasting life. Let's move on. Secondly, a believer will never be condemned once he believes. That's the promise of Jesus. Just like Jesus gave in John 6, 47, look with me to chapter five. Chapter five in verse 24 Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath, there it is again, possesses right now everlasting life. What kind of life? Everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation. That's the promise. You'll never be condemned. But is passed or has passed from death unto life. Where it says is passed or has passed here. Okay, that's, and I know I've mentioned this before, but it needs repeating, folks. That is, it's what's called the perfect tense. The perfect tense, which means this. It means an action that has been completed in the past, but which has present results. So when I trusted Christ the Savior, I received everlasting life. Jesus said, I'll never come into condemnation, but I have passed from death unto life. I pass from death into life at a point in the past and it has present results today. In other words, it's true today. Now that goes along perfectly with the reality of what everlasting life is and eternal security. So can a believer live as he pleases and still go to heaven? Yes, why? Well, because a believer receives eternal life or everlasting life the moment he believes. And so if I have everlasting life, no matter what I do after this, if I have everlasting life that lasts forever, I'm secure in Christ. Can I live uh, as I please and still go to heaven? Yes, because a believer will never be condemned once he believes. Let's go on. Number three. Yes, I can live as I please because number three, a believer has a free will. A believer has a free will. He will make choices. And here's the reality. All of us will make some good choices and some bad choices. All of us. Every person in this room, every believer in the world forever, since time began, made good choices and made bad choices. The bad choices never forfeited their salvation. The good choices never secured their salvation. 
because that's not how you're saved. You're saved through faith in Christ. Now, let me say this along with number three, a believer has a free will. Nothing about his salvation limits him to the amount of good or bad choices he makes. But that's what's being taught today. Well, if you're saved, you may sin, but you won't practice sin, okay? What constitutes a practice? Twice? Three times? Four times? Is it a matter of how many times in a day? You do it? If this is true, and this is, by the way, what a lot of preachers are preaching, if this is true, then where is that written? Let's see it in black and white to where we can understand the situation. Hey, it's not true, and you'll go blind trying to find it in the Word of God because it's not in Scripture. A believer has a free will. Lost people have free wills. Everybody has a free will. Okay, This idea of limited bad choices is one of the great lies of Satan today. These people, well, I sin, but I don't practice sin. I heard Billy Graham say that years ago. He was preaching it. I heard him actually preaching it. We all still sin. I still sin, but I don't practice sin. He said it. I'm thinking, yes, you do. Every time you get up and give lordship salvation as your gospel... You're preaching a false message. If that's not practicing sin, I don't know what is. Now, I know some of you, you almost think he's just below Jesus. And he's not. And listen, I thank God for all the people who did get saved at his crusades. Pastor Trout's mom is one. She got saved at a Billy Graham crusade. There may be somebody in this room who got saved at a Billy Graham crusade. Folks, I'm just saying this. You got saved in spite of all the additions such as you have to come forward such as the absolute false teaching that he did. The false teaching that he would say, now if you're there and tonight you made a decision for Jesus, you need to come forward, you need to come confess him publicly. Why do I say that? Because every time Jesus called somebody, he called them publicly. Is that true? It's not true. What about Nicodemus? What about the woman at the well? These were one-on-one. Say, well, that troubles me. You know what? It ought to trouble you, but it ought to trouble you for the right reason, not the wrong reason. The right reason is because what was being said wasn't accurate. That's why it should trouble us. Don't you think he did a lot of good? Yeah, some things, but let me tell you this too. He was extremely ecumenical. And you know what they would teach? They would teach their counselors at their crusades, and they would have counselors from every denomination, including the Catholics. And they would teach their counselors to counsel the people. And if they found out somebody who came forward was a Catholic, they encouraged them to go back to their Catholic church. Go back to their Catholic church. Listen, the Catholic church is evil. I don't know how else to put it. It's evil. Okay, It teaches works for salvation. It blinds millions upon millions of people by its teaching. We've got many former Catholics in this room, and you're looking at one. A believer has a free will. A lost person has a free will. And listen, a believer, we're born into the world, we have a sin nature. When we get saved, we have a new nature. But when we get a new nature, when we get saved, this is what does right. This is what pleases God. This is the only thing that pleases God. The flesh cannot please God. 
Paul said, in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. There's the power to do that which actually pleases God is not found in the old sin nature, but we still have the sin nature. When a Christian sins, this is the part of the Christian that sins. His new nature does not sin. He still has an old nature. That's why a Christian still sins. That's why a Christian can still practice sin. It's not good, but he can. But God wants us to live according to the new nature and strengthen, build ourselves up spiritually, grow spiritually, and be strong spiritually to where we can have victory over the old. But there are two natures. For the flesh, lust, wars against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So how do you win? Well, walk in the spirit, and as you're doing that, you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh, Galatians 5.16. But it's a matter of the will. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, well, when you get saved, God overtakes your will, and now you automatically live the life you should. Folks, if that was true... Do you think Jesus would settle for some sin? He wouldn't settle for any sin if he had his way in our lives. He wouldn't say, well, I overtake your will and you're going to live a godly life, but some sin's okay. He would never say that. He would make us completely clean in the way we live our lives if we didn't have a will. Look with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. What does the Bible teach about this issue of the will? Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Look at this. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death. Do you get the picture? Here's life. Here's death. Blessing, cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and thy seed may live. Listen, that's the truth of the Christian life. Once we're saved, we have everlasting life, but what does God want us to do? He wants us to choose the path of living that is going to result in blessing and not cursing. Look with me to 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18, verse 21. 1 Kings 18, verse 21. Here's Elijah. Came into the... Sheeple. Oh, I'm sorry, the people here. And it says in verse 21, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. You know, that's, that's kind of troubling, isn't it? Verse 21. They didn't say anything. They're struggling to make the right choice. Look with me to Joshua 24. Here's Joshua at the end of his life. Joshua 24 and verse uh, 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, it's the next word, choose. Make a choice, guys. Choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's our choice. Our choice is to serve the Lord. So can a person put their faith in Christ as Savior and live any way they please? Yes. Why? Because they do. 
They make choices. Well, let's move on. Not only does a believer have free will, number four, a believer who chooses to live in rebellion will suffer the consequences of that. You notice it didn't say, trust Christ the Savior, and if you live any way you please, and if you live a life of rebellion, there's no repercussions, because there are repercussions. First, he'll be chastened by God. If he's truly a child of God, he's going to be chastened. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12 in verse 6. If you're saved, you will be chastened. Now, the very fact, by the way, of what these scriptures tell us, tell us that Christians make wrong choices. Look at it. Hebrews 12 verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges, whips, Every son, how many? Every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, if he doesn't chasten you, whereof all are partakers. Why are all partakers? Because all Christians still sin, that's why. All Christians still rebel. And to rebel and sin means there's a choice involved of doing something wrong. We decide to live as we please. Now, if the way you please is contrary to God's way for you as a child of God, God says, I'm going to have to step into your life and I'm going to have to chasten you. I'm going to have to discipline you. Notice nowhere does he threaten us with taking away our salvation because that can't change. Why? Because all of our sin was taken care of at the cross. There's no condemnation. We're justified from all things. Verse 11, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Up, up, but see there, pastor, see, see, see. If God chastens, a person gets turned around and they, they go on and serve the Lord. So they, they do end up doing what's right. Yeah, there's a problem with that, though. That's just one passage. And, and the passage itself, while what it's saying is true, it's talking about those who get turned around. But not every believer who chooses a path of rebellion gets turned around. Why? Because he chooses to be stubborn with God. Which leads us to our next sub-point. He will experience the law of sowing and reaping. He will experience the law of sowing and reaping. Galatians chapter 6, in verses 7 through 9, it says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. In other words, the blessings that come from within your salvation. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. One of the paths of pirate. Great songs. You reap what you sow, you get what you grow. One man put it this way, be careful what you put in the sack. It's what you'll take out. Go to the grocery store. I'm sorry, I still like the, the bags, the paper bags. I know plastic is easy and, and all of that. I still like the paper bags, maybe because I worked my way through Bible college doing paper bags. But there's just something about a well-bagged bag of groceries. 
get the cans in there just right, and then the vegetables and this thing and that thing, and they're just right. They're not sitting in the bag just kind of just like plastic. Plastic is chaos. It's chaos. But when you bag right and everything is neat and orderly, that's the way it's supposed to be done. Be careful what you put in a sack because that's what you're going to get out. I said all that to say that. What you put in that brown bag, you get home, that's what you're going to take out of the brown bag. It's the same way in the Christian life. What you put into your life is what you're going to get out of your life, okay? Let me give you another one on this. This is all under number four. A believer who chooses to live in rebellion will suffer the consequences. The one who chooses to live in rebellion, not only will he experience the law of sowing and reaping, he also could be taken to heaven prematurely. This is the Christian who will not submit to their heavenly father. Notice God does not send them to hell. What he does is he takes them to heaven. Is that not salvation by grace? It's grace. It's grace. They don't deserve heaven, but we're not saved by deserving it. We're saved by what Christ did on the cross. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven. Whereso whosoever shall eat this bread, drinketh this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of his cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, judgment, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Many sleep. People in a Corinthian church would not respond to the chastening of God. Some of them were sickly, and maybe some of them did respond to that, but others would not. They were still in rebellion. They wouldn't change. And God says, okay, I'm taking your life. I'm bringing you home early. Did that forfeit their salvation? It did not forfeit their salvation. But him taking them home was based on their choice and the choices they were making in their lives. So can a believer put his faith in Christ and live as he pleases? Yes, but it doesn't mean there aren't consequences to the choices we make. And lastly tonight, he will lose out at the judgment seat of Christ. If he does put his faith in Christ and he lives as he pleases in in the sense of making the wrong choices, one of the detrimental things is he will lose out at the judgment seat of Christ. He will not get the reward that God wanted him to have. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if you turn there with me, verse 11, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 3, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. It says, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, if you have a foundation of Christ, you're saved. If any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try not every man's soul, every man's work, what he's done in his life. Not whether he's trusted Christ as Savior. He wouldn't be standing at the judgment seat of Christ if he was not already saved. He has Christ as his foundation. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Loss of reward. Loss of what he could have had. Loss of the blessings God wanted him to have. Loss of the honor God wanted him to have. 
he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. Do you see it? Yet so is by fire. Let's say your entire life of works was burned up at the judgment seat of Christ. Guess what's left? You. You're left because you're not saved by works. You're either rewarded or you experience the loss of what you could have had, depending on your choices. So for the believer, the answer is to choose to live as God would have you to, seeing there are so many benefits to it. But it's up to you. Can a believer, once he's trusted Christ as Savior, can a believer live as he pleases? Yes, everyone does, including you and including me. If my life as a believer was to end in failure, it is because I chose to have it end that way. It wasn't God's will for me. But I can make that choice as stupid as it would be, as foolish as it would be. Let's make the right choices, okay? Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.